Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Welcome to the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast brought to you by the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney. I am joined by Ty Capone. We are here, UFC 292 this weekend. Sean O'Malley, Aljamain Sterling. This card was an absolute banger a couple weeks ago. It has taken some hits, but we still have a very strong top of the bill here. And uh, it's I'm very excited. It's always a big event when there's pay-per-view and it's not Amanda Nunes headlining it. Yeah. <laughs> we have Amanda Lemos, though. The uh, Brazilian yeah. Amanda successor. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think this, uh, when we were looking forward to this card, it was definitely a bit different than it is now. Um, it has, what, 12 fights? That's standard. That's pretty much what, what I think we wanted. Uh, I think we were supposed to have Rob Font and Song Yadong. Yes. We were supposed to have Jeff Neal and Ian Gary. Yeah. And Chato Gary. Uh, Cejudo was supposed to fight Cheeto. Cody Garber was supposed to fight Bautista. So, yeah, I mean, some pullouts. Um, and then I think, I, didn't, I don't know if the Ultimate Fighter finale was supposed to be was always supposed to be on this card, but at least we have that, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. It's better than the usual Ultimate Fighter finale. He's not seeing Juliana Miller and uh, Rogan Walker out there, you know? So that's You always got to find a way to sneak a diss in there, <laughs> Juliana. Can, can you just, like, we, we already eviscerated her enough last night. We don't need to do this again. Her next fight will be, uh, it'll be a good one. I will be there no matter what. That's for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Mbappe, but... Uh, I mean, this is pretty much the the main attraction this weekend, right? There's not really any boxing. There's not really any nope. any other PFL's like MMA. Tomorrow. Yeah, but uh, we we kind of discussed that how that's kind of not really a real card. That's you yeah, know, there's, oh wow, there's Eagle FC this weekend from uh, oh, I didn't know uh, the the Shaka Republic, and I believe it's a Russian region. Okay, so I'm looking at these names. I've never heard of any of these gentlemen that are fighting. And the one guy looks like he's a hundred years old. So, uh, well, is it enjoy that. Let's look. I mean, it's not popping up. He is. It's not available. So I don't, he Imam might not. Shopi Muktarov. I like that guy. I think he's gonna win. There you go. So if you can even bet that wherever you live, God bless. But for now, we are going to get right into Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley. Uh, I, I'm actually shocked that this fight is. It, it seems like this thing has snuck up on us. We have been waiting for it for so long, but. It doesn't seem like that long ago since Al- Aljo was just in there. It was, what, earlier in the summer? I think May- May-ish area, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah, uh, yeah May 6th, if that if that uh, is the correct date. But he beat Henry Cejudo. You know, he always is a guy who likes to kind of string us along and be like, well, you know, I'm not ready, and, uh, you know, I have this injury. And he always has this phantom injury after the fight, and then the UFC comes to him with some money, and he's like, you know what, actually, I'm ready to go, and uh, I, I am ready yeah. to fight immediately. <laughs> that seems like that has been the case here. He's ready to go. Sean O'Malley is coming off of the win against Peter Yan. I believe that was last year, right? Um, October? October of last year, yes. October 22nd, a split decision, which was highly debated, and robbery, the word robbery was thrown around multiple times, and... You know, obviously Sean O'Malley brings along a lot of fandom, but he also brings plenty of hatred uh, into his circle. Just the way he carries himself, and it's just kind of how you promote yourself. It's you're going to have people who love you, you're going to have people who hate you. It seems like any person who's popular 
Adesanya, John Jones, Aljo, you know, Conor McGregor for sure. You have your your fans and you have your detractors. It's just a part of the game. So it's always cool having a guy like O'Malley who kind of crosses over and gets all these fans in that really don't pay attention. I have people that are like, you know, the casuals, I would say, who don't really, and I I don't use that word negatively in this uh, sense because... I hate when people are like you're a casual. Like there are actual casuals out there who just like watching it when there's a big name fighting. And Sean O'Malley, it seems like, is one of those big names that draws in people who don't necessarily watch it all the time. And I say all that to say that I'm very excited for this weekend. I, I, this is one of those fights, typical striker versus grappler, where you know if the one guy gets his hands on him, it's over, and if the other guy you know hits him, it could be over because the other guy doesn't really take shots all that well. And uh, it seems like a somewhat of a Interesting, even matchup. Obviously, there's going to be a, a favorite towards Sterling, which we got minus 250, 265 as high as for Aljamain, the Funkmaster. And we have Sean O'Malley sitting at a plus 210, 200 underdog. I'm going to go out right away and probably say I'm going to take O'Malley Moneyline. And uh, I, it's not based off the, you know, anything a lot more than I am just a huge fan of his. And I ha- I feel like I have been riding this wave for a while and he's won me a lot of money and i also just think that this is a if anybody is going to beat aljo it seems like this is the kind of skill set and uh physique and sort of just a really good matchup in my opinion i know the grappling there is a huge deficit there but uh i don't i don't know i just um i i like to see aljo grapple against somebody who has the same similar size to him and it's been a while since he fought Corey uh, Sandhagen, and he kind of wrapped him up early on in that fight. But if you look at a, a lot of the, the recent, I mean, he's on quite a run. It's, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in a row since Marlon Marais shut his lights off in uh, 2017. But, yeah. uh, I mean, he's had, he, you know, he has doesn't really finish a lot of these guys if you, you know, Peter Yan doesn't count an illegal knee. That's, you know, and then he, I don't count the TJ Dillashaw either because obviously that guy was... Uh, incapacitated coming into the uh, octagon, but you know two split decisions, you know an illegal knee he gets the rear naked choke on Corey Sandhagen. A couple, you know, it seems like he a lot of these are decision fights, and he knee bars Cody Stamen, uh, which is you know well, for whatever. But I have talked a lot to start this off. I'd like to let you go in and speak your mind about what is going to happen here. I, I really, I, I guess I would just say before you, I let you do go, uh, I would probably if I was going to bet. I said all that to say it's a sterling decision would be probably even though you know it's that's a long time but I feel like that could be a good value at plus 240. Yeah, Alger's looking to uh, I believe break the record for title defenses at Bantamweight. Um but he's also done. Like this is his last fight. Yeah. He's uh trying to you know he's talked about I'll vacate the title and I'll let Marab come rule this division. It's never good to hear guys talking like that but um He's finally fighting somebody four inches of height on him, uh, only an inch of reach, but also very uh, much younger, much less mileage, many less surgeries. Um, also, you know, uh, much less experienced. So it's going to be interesting to see how Sean fight. I mean, how many pure grapplers has Sean O'Malley fought? I don't, I don't really see any um, no. at all. Holly and Piva, and he, you know, got him out. Of- Pretty quickly, Holly and Piva looks to strike most of the time anyway. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of things to like about both guys in this situation. It's, it's, like you said, 
Uh, if it stays standing, it's probably Sean's fight. If it goes to the ground, Sean's probably done. I, I, his his jujitsu has gotten a lot better. I really like the fact that he works with uh, his, his jujitsu coach is Augusto Mendez, who fought Aljamain Sterling once upon a time and got dropped or dropped Aljamain Sterling yeah. once upon a time. So I really like that. I think that you know, that guy has a bunch of uh, achievements. Uh, he's very credentialed. I know it's very hard to kind of you know catch up with Aljo. It's something that's impossible, but. He's uh he's done really well. Um, I think he you know even if he does go down, I don't know if he'll go down right away. But if he does, he'll I, I think he can work himself back up. Um, Jan took him down six times in their last fight, but um, I don't think he was really able to hold and control him that that much. Besides what maybe the second round. Other than that, you know I think third round he was two of seven on takedown. So I don't know, man. The thing with Aljo too, we see like a lot of times in later rounds. Because of how vicious that weight cut is, he just fades a little bit, and he kind of sets up those takedowns that he's, you know, he, four fifteen against Cejudo, especially in the fourth and fifth round. He was kind of just he wasn't even, uh, he was just diving across that across the cage at him, you know, and he got taken down his fair share by by Peter Jan too. So, um, in the first fight anyway, so. In the second one, he just kind of sorry to not to cut you off, but he he like kept taking him down and kind of just backpacking and holding like the, we talk about like yeah. the worst form of uh, MMA grappling that you can have. But I mean, it worked, and I, but I just don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of with you though. He does kind of like gas out towards the end of these fights. Not necessarily gas out, but I guess it's just that relentless pace mastered that weight cut kind of takes a toll on him. Yeah, man, he just cuts so much weight. He's always active. He's always in your face. That's good. But I also think the backpack part of his game also kind of gasses him out. You know, yeah. that body lock triangle will take a lot out of your legs, and no matter how tight it is. The problem is, like, if he gets that, if he gets to that position on Sean, I don't know if Sean's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, one thing I think, <clears throat> sorry, Whoa. having a repeat of yesterday <laughs> um, or the other day, um, I think Sean has a lot more toughness and durability than people give you know he's tall, skinny. He's broke. He, he uh, had the leg issue when he fought Cheeto. He broke his foot when he fought Andre Sukmatov. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe on the regional scene he also had a, had a foot or knee issue. But I mean that 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 kind of just happens. I mean Chris Weidman was involved in two of the nastiest leg injuries to ever happen in the sport. I don't think he has uh, you know a specific tendency to just have leg injuries like. You know, Sean O'Malley can take shots. He took a lot of shots from Pierre in their fight. And he, you know, as soon as he took one, he gave one. Very surprising. I was very surprised by that. And um, he can also, you know, um, like, I feel like his cardio isn't that bad. Like, you know, he was he pretty much threw the whole kitchen sink at Chris Moutinho, and the guy wouldn't go away. He kind of held steady over three rounds at the very end of that third round. He threw, he threw like 400 strikes total, man. And he was pretty much landing everything. Like, he had to be sore. He had to be tired. I feel like he's not somebody that's going to insta-tap right away. I feel like he might, you know, it has to be in there. He might have to go to sleep. Like, I feel like he's a tough son of a bitch. And it kind of gets overshadowed with his, you know, colorful hair and his colorful personality and, and whatnot. But he's a savage, man. He trains with good people. I know we make jokes about Tim Welch all the time, but he's been there with him since high school. And, um, I mean, they've gotten really far. And obviously, you know, he's doing something that's working. Uh, he's bringing in guys like Henry Cejudo, Augusto Mendez, credentialed wrestlers and grapplers to really just help round out his game. They have a pretty good camp over there in, in Glendale, Arizona. So, um, 
I think he's. Um, I think this is his time. I think the, star, the stars have aligned, and I think Sean O'Malley's. I think he's going to get it done. I think he's going to finish him in the second round, uh, third round, second, third round. I think he's going to just be too much. His kicks, <clears throat> as flashy and spinning as they are, <clears throat> they're very accurate. Like it's not like he's some of these, um, <clears throat> like some of these other guys. Well, take a second here, man. Come on, no, we're we're good. You, you're good. Take take a breath. Take take some water here. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't usually have like issues like this, but maybe I'm dying. I don't know. But um, the thing with him is, if you look at his percentages, he, he lands sixty percent of his strikes. He um, he has a sixty-two percent striking defense. Very very high numbers. Good numbers. Like to see that. Love to see that. Most guys are in the fifties, maybe the forties. His takedown defense, sixty percent. Maybe it's not great, but I think the Piotr Jan fight kind of, uh, you know, shines and kind of inflates those numbers. But we'll see, man. It's going to be tough. I think he might he might be a little hesitant on the feet because he has to watch that takedown. I think he might have to watch the kicks too. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know how this fight's going to start. I think Aldo's going to look to take him down right away. I think he's going to try to do what he did against Corey Sanhagen, and maybe it works. But um, I think there's a lot of other factors involved, and. Uh, because of that, I'm going to take Sean O'Malley, and I'm going to take Sean O'Malley to win by knockout of plus 300. You're taking it on the card? Yep. Wow. Love that. I absolutely love that pick right there. TK. I think there's a way. I think there's a way that Sean could win a decision. The, the chances of it happening are probably slim, and it won't happen that often in a, you know, simulated 100, simu- 100 simulations. But uh, plus 850, I feel like he could win those later rounds. Because Aljo gets gets tired, I just I, I don't see how this fight goes to to a decision. But if it were to, I could see it, you know, kind of go either way or whatnot. We've seen Sean have some durability. Uh, same with Aljo, even though he does get tired, gases, he, he still you know fights through. He's a he's a tough motherfucker too, man. Oh, They're yeah. both savages. So um, yeah, I just feel confident in Sean. Till I think his boxing is way 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 better. I think he's quicker. He hits harder. He's uh. He's only a little longer with his reach one inch, but I think he fights longer. You know, he's four inches of height. That's going to be a big difference, man. I don't think Aljo's, you know, I don't know. I think if Aljo was smart, he would look to throw some low kicks maybe just to start him off, throw something different. Kind of just crowd him, get in his face, and then take him down. Really, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that easy, but uh, I think he has a distinct advantage here. So even with that being said, uh, I think he's plus 175 by sub. Yeah, maybe, maybe if you want to play first round sub for Aljo, that's uh, plus five hundred. So that's not even that great of an odd of, of odds. So uh, either way, uh, I'm I'm always wrong on main events. Underdog favorite doesn't matter. I'm always wrong. So either way, I'm riding with my boy, my doppelganger, yeah. Sean O'Malley. Take that for what it's worth. Like I said, yeah. Like I usually we we've gotten the last couple of main events. It seems wrong, but. This one, I feel, I, I, I don't know, I, like, like you kind of said, like this is kind of feels like his time, and it's never good. Like the, the signs are there with Sterling talking about moving up. He's approaching that thirty, that that thirty-five year old. You know, I know he just turned thirty-four, yep. but when you start getting into your mid-thirties, it's especially at these later weight classes. We've talked about it's not really conducive to longevity. So he's going to be getting hit with front kicks the whole time. You know, and, and I think. It's going to be difficult for Sterling to enter in on those takedowns. You know, he's not the bigger guy like he was necessarily in a uh, Peter Jan, or at least, you know, somewhat similar in, in height as Peter Jan. He was much bigger than Cejudo in the last fight. So I think this is going to be a little bit of an adjustment. I think he's going to, I think he's going to struggle with it. I think he's going to struggle with the speed of uh, O'Malley because his striking is going to be so much, so much better than him. And, and 
quick and just powerful. And I, I could see O'Malley hurting him a few times before he eventually gets him out of there. But you know, because you know what uh, Sterling's going to do is he's going to go go down to his knees, put both hands on the mat, and kind of do that turtle walk backwards where when he gets hurt because that's his usual go to. Kind of tries to bait you into uh, committing a foul, but. I don't know. I feel good. I, f- I feel good about this. I don't feel crazy confident, obviously, when you're betting a plus 200 underdog. But uh, the number's right. And if it was mixed the other way, I would be firing Sterling, uh, Moneyline, because it just seems like this is a very even matchup. And, and if I, like I said, if I was going to bet Sterling, uh, you know, I, I guess the, uh, an inside the distance wouldn't be horrible either to kind of just go even. But something about that decision seems like, uh, you know, a nice, nice bet here because. Like you said, I don't think O'Malley's going to roll over and die. He's ready to go for 25 minutes. And I could see Sterling doing a lot of laying and praying and uh, hoping that this thing kind of just goes by. So, Yeah. Also, like we always talk about how uncomfortable Aljo looks when he gets hit clean. You know, I think <laughs> he better watch out because this weekend there's a very good chance he's going to get clean with the nut. What, my favorite um, is Sean O'Malley's like – Overhand slash straight right. Yeah, uh, his cross like it's a it's a cross, but it comes down and it comes down with some heat, man. It's so quick and and accurate. And it kind of reminds me. His right kind of reminds me of McGregor's left. Yeah, uh, very accurate, very strong. Even if you see it coming, uh, it's gonna fucking put you down. Uh, how many walk off KOs does Sean O'Malley have? You know, like it's something that a lot of fighters try to try to do, but it's very hard to get a walk off KO. Sean O'Malley has like five of them. So, um, I could see him hurting him. Um, maybe, maybe something I, I would, it, it's going to be tough to kind of predict, but what if he hurts him and follows him to the ground? That's what I was saying. Then what happens? Yeah. I think maybe honestly, if he's on top and he has Aljo hurt, I think he might be able to be fine. Uh, I think the, you know, I, I think his jujitsu or whatever level it's at, I think can kind of survive that. And he's a devastating finisher. I think a couple of ground and pound shots will be it for him. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing how he starts the fight, how the, uh, how they feel each other out in the first round, what Sean does, if he throws any spinny shit, I really hope he doesn't throw spinny shit into a back take. No. And, Cause that might, that might be it, you know, but it, it's definitely something we, I could, I could see happening, you know? Um, I just think he has really good kicks in general. Um, he does not usually too wild. He kind of throws on the outside when he knows he's on the outside when he has that advantage at distance. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I feel confident in him, which means he's going to lose. Yeah, I think he knows that though. Like you said, like that spinning shit, and you know some of those high kicks and all that. He's gonna try and limit that. I think a lot of it is yeah. gonna be it's gonna be short, precise shots. That front kick, that front body kick, that front kick up the middle. Uh, you know, like kind of just straight shots, left, right hands. Um, I don't see you know maybe some body kicks, but nothing too crazy to kind of. Uh, make a make a takedown attempt more successful or make it easier for Aljo. I think he's just going to try and keep the distance as much as he possibly can, keep him away from him. And I think he'll have success in that. So, And now we keep it moving, ladies and gentlemen. We go right into the other title fight that we have going on here. We got Zhang Weili, Amanda Lemos. Zhang Weili making her, what, second title defense? Or first, I guess, because she just won it back. Uh, but um, Yeah. It seems like she's been more active, I guess, than she actually has been. But, uh, you know, I mean, the last time she was in there was November. Uh, they really haven't been able to find a fight since then for her, you know? Like, at 115, it's just... that I find that Weird. hard to believe, but, she, you know, 
it doesn't really matter now, I guess. She's getting back in there. Amanda Lemos, who is coming off of, I believe, a decimation of Marina Rodriguez, where she put her down and a win against Michelle Waterson yeah. Gomez. Uh, lost to Jessica Andrade, a win against Angela Hill. So this isn't exactly a um, great resume heading into a title fight, but we've seen lesser resumes take you know go in there and take care of business. She has the tools. She has the one-punch power to really hurt Zhang Weili. But, uh, Ty, i got to be honest, I don't think that's going to happen here. I, 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 this, is a, this seems like a prime spot for a Zhang Weili uh, masterclass. I just don't know how she gets it done. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, <clears throat> I think, I mean, obviously she's an elite athlete. Remember we saw her pick up Francis Ngannou and he said at the time he was weighing 293 and she picked him up with fucking ease. Um, also I think it's very notable how she went from being out wrestled or out grappled by Rose to then out wrestling and submitting Carla. <clears throat> yeah. So I think that's very, very, to do that in a, in one, almost, yeah, one exact year. Uh, time frame also spinning back fisting Joanna into the deep, deep dark depths of retirement. Um, she makes also, she makes quick adjustments. I know she's owned two against Rose, but you know the head kick was a bit of a fluke. It also, it ended early. The split was you know close fight. Uh, regardless, I think she uh, I think she has Amanda covered here. I think you know Amanda could hurt her. I think Amanda has some of the best pound for pound power in the UFC, especially among women. I mean, she has eight knockouts. Um, remember what she did to Montserrat Canejo? That was just that was just rude. Um, also, what she did to Lavinia Souza? She knocked her out with a power jab. Um, you know there is red flags going back to her debut. She got standing elbowed to death by Leslie Smith. Uh, Jessica Andrade standing arm triangle choked her, and she also um, almost dropped that fight to Angela Hill. And that was not that long ago, man. Yeah. Less than two years ago. Very back and forth. I believe she was getting taken down by Amanda Angela. And Amanda Angela, she got taken down once, but even then she knocked her down once. But the strikes were close; everything was close in that fight. Um, and the Marina fight, Marina lo- lo- just looked absolutely terrible. Same thing with Michelle Waterson Gomez. I'm with you on the competition; the level of competition being weak. Uh, Wei Li is, just, you know, she's not young; she's 34, and Amanda's 36. But uh, I think Wei Li is just all around a goddamn wrecking ball, a savage. I mean. Other than the two losses to Rose, she's, she hasn't even been close. I guess the Joanna fight, the first Joanna fight was kind of close, but um, I thought she definitely won it. So I kind of feel confident here. I think, uh, you know, one thing about Amanda Lemos that I really don't like is that she kind of cardio dumps a lot, especially it's what she did against Angela Hill. And she's, she's older, she's 36, she has so much power and she throws a lot of power. I think... Uh, Wei Li's going to finish her with some ground and pound. Uh, I, I guess she could sub her, but Amanda Lemos is such a decorated uh, jiu-jitsu practitioner. I think she um, – I don't think that will happen. Um, so I'm going to go uh, Wei Li TKO. I think she's going to finish her with some ground and pound, maybe knock her down, um, and then finish her from there. But, um, yeah, I think Amanda Lemos gets hit a little bit. I don't love her striking defense. I, love her, I like her striking offense for sure, but I think she gets hit a little too much. Uh, Whaley, once in a while, I don't think she gets hit too, too clean, but she, she you know, once in a while, I think the Rose, the Rose and the Joanna, the second Rose and the first Joanna fight were a bit of outliers. Other than that, she doesn't take too much damage, but, um, yeah, I think she's going to hit her with something and then drop her and, and that'll be it. Uh, so you really don't think there's any chance of a submission here? I mean, I guess there's obviously a chance, but Maybe. Just, uh, not, yeah. you're, you're not leaning that way. Cause you just, it, I, I, you know, 
it's probably going to happen now that I say it's not, but um, no, I, I don't think she does it. I don't think she can do it to her. I mean, Amanda Lemos has how many subs in her record? Only three, but um, the way she got them were all pretty pretty easily. So I am going to take it just for the number. Uh, and I think I would love to take inside the distance at just that minus 150 to be uh, safe here, but I don't like that number. And I'm not gonna play. It's a little too um, healthy of a number in, you know, at, at the minus. I, I just think submission at plus four fifty. I think it's kind of a club and sub situation where Lamos just looks for a way out, or she's getting hurt. And I don't know. I think Zhang Wei Li's instinct is to kind of just get in there on a takedown and, and try to power smash you. And and I think it could go any way from there. I just think I, I'm going to take the shot here with the plus 450 and just ha have my way. But Send it. Uh, so you're going to take TKO? Yep. At, what do we have here? We got plus 110. Uh, I can give you a plus 135. I like it. So now we are back. Jesus, my, my computer stopped working. But I have Neil Magny. And I have Ian Machado Gary getting back in there. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that Mr. Mr. Gary was uh, in there, I believe, right? It was earlier in the summer. Yeah, May 13th. Uh, when he, he fought, when he fought um, knocked out D Rod. D Rod, yeah, yeah. That uh, was quick. Supposed to fight Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal pulls out. Uh, that that talk was getting a little uh, dirty. Machado was, you know, uh, I'm. <laughs> Call him Machado, but I, it's absolutely insane that he took on Machado in his name. But honestly, after seeing his girlfriend wife, I would do it too. She's like but. much older than him, though. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I, I know she's much hotter than. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm glad he got finally got rid of that like herpes sore that he had on his lip for a while there. That was <laughs> that was not looking good. But listen, uh, IMG, I'm, good old IMG. Uh, of all the uh, Irish gentlemen that come through the mixed martial arts world, I for some reason Ian Gary just rubs me the wrong way, man. I I, I can't tell you. I've been trying to root for him, and I, I bet him a lot, and then I try to support him. But something about you saying that you're the the superstar of this card, and you know nobody's Carrying waking up it. to yeah. It's like maybe in Ireland, yeah, pal. You're the only guy fighting from Ireland, so maybe they are. You are the only superstar there, but. Listen, buddy, I am not tuning in on Saturday night to watch you fight. You're just, you just happen to be fighting. I'm watching Sean O'Malley. I'm watching Al Jermaine. I'm even watching Zhang Wei Li and Amanda Lemos. I ain't watching you, pal. But even Cheeto Vera, that's another guy I always tune in to watch. But I guess uh, we have to talk about the odds here, which are kind of uh, skewed or, I guess, uh, really, skewed. really skewed here. I think he's the biggest favorite of the card, yeah? I think so. Minus 520 uh, to a plus 390, 360. Uh, Neil Magny. So I'm trying to see on the rest of this card if there's anything that's even close to this. But uh, I mean, there's a couple minus 350s and 400s. But no, Ian Machado Gary, who was only a minus 175 favorite uh, on some of these books when it regards to Jeff Neal. You know, it's uh, that's a that's a healthy difference in, um, in in odds, and I think rightfully so. I think he has. The upper hand on Neil Magnum. He's ten years younger than him. Uh, the I think the reach is going to play a little bit of a factor, but I just don't think Neil Magny is that good anymore. Am I like I? I think I, I just don't know if he finishes him or not. That's what I'm uh, struggling with. I I really think this could be a uh, like a really s slow sort of fight and boring where Gary tries to get his shit off, but he's not able to, and he kind of has to just. 
weighed his way into a decision and he, you know, I don't know, but I guess I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I think this is probably a good matchup for Gary. I mean, Magny fought less than two months ago in a, in a very close split that went the distance and, um, I think he won, right? Yeah, he beat yeah, he Phil did. Rowe, but, but at um, what cost? Didn't look great. I remember that he got taken down by Phil Rowe and, he kind of he kind of fought into Phil Rowe's game. It's funny because a lot of time Ian Gary, Ian Gary, Neil Magny, when he fights guys, he makes them fight his game. He makes them come into his clinch, and um, kind of he just dictates the the pace and the rest of the fight. It's weird. He just has a tendency to do that. He did it against Max Griffin. Did it against Jeff Neal. Uh, really did a lot against Robbie Lawler too. So like it's it's just something that happens when he fought Lee Jang Liang. That was I mean so one sided. But um, I mean, yeah, and he has beaten prospects before. He has kind of shut down some of that, some of that hype before. So, you know, he's he's one of those underdog guys. I just I don't know. Uh, he can be hit low. He can be hit high. You know, very easy to kind of chop him down. <clears throat> I don't think he has great defense at all. Um, uh, I don't think his striking is that amazing. I, I I do like his grappling, but I think he's sloppy with it. I don't think he defends that well. I mean, he's been tapped out multiple times in the UFC. I know it's Gilbert Burns. I know it's Shavkat. Um, I know it's Rafael Dos Anjos. But, you know, Damian, same, Damian Maia, like, these are legit guys for sure. Sergio Marais back in the day. But I don't know. He has some quitting in him. I think his durability is also starting to wane. Just fought. Like, just fought a couple weeks ago. This is so short notice. And I know he has a six-inch reach advantage, but they're the same height. Ian Gary does have that tall man's defense, which I kind of worry about. I mean, he almost got put to sleep by Kanan Song, but he bounced back. He bounced back. He put up some good numbers against him. Took care of D-Rod quick. He's got a knockdown in three straight fights, four of his five in the UFC. Um, he's won fights in different ways. The, yep. the, the Gabe fight was very different. The Darian Wheat fight, same thing. So I don't know if he finishes uh, Neil Magny here, but I think he might. I think he might. He's very good, uh, very good striker at distance. Very good, very good movement. Um, I wish he would go for it a little bit more, but he does have a lot of. Good, you know, he does have high volume. It's just against lower competition. So I want to see how he diversifies his striking against somebody like Neil Magny, who's never really eaten that many strikes in a in a fight. I, I'm trying to find anywhere where he's over like 60 or 70, and I, I can't find one. The most strikes he's ever absorbed was Ponzinibbio in a four-rounder, which is 79. So Max Griffin, 67, in a fight that he won. Very close, though. I remember that one. So I don't know. I think he's just kind of uh, – I think he's up against it here. You know, I applaud him for stepping in and trying to save this fight, trying to save the card, if you will. Um, I just think Ian Gary hasn't covered. I don't know what to take here, so I'm not going to take anything. I think he could and should finish him, but I thought he could have finished Saul Kanana. Uh, a long time before he did. Uh, and the fight before that, two decisions. I know he got D-Rod out there quickly, but you know, D-Rod's very slow. He's very quick. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, I think Ian Gary, he could be legit. He could be one of the better Irish, Europe, uh, UK prospects um, from that region of the world. So um, we'll see. We'll see if he gets a big win and uh, if Miss Machado Gary uh, walks in the cage. Well, hopefully, uh, for everyone's sake, we get to see that. But other than that, uh, I'm going to take Ian Gary decision for a lot of the things you just labeled. It's just I think this fight 
is going to... I just don't like... Sometimes Ian Gary lets himself get hit a lot. He doesn't have a lot of respect for his opponents in the most uh, for most yep. uh, of, the, of the time. And Magny's only been TKO twice in his entire 38-fight career. So, uh, I guess... Also, he's very, very good in the clinch. And I think yes. it's something, you know... He, Having that reach advantage, I know when you're inside in the clinch, it might not be as as big. Obviously, the reach because you're you're in close, but quick short elbows, quick short knees, like those could definitely. Like, I could see Neil Magny clipping Ian Gary with something, or even just stalling, or or like, like I said, I see a lot of stalling. Gary, making Ian Gary fight a fight that he didn't think he was going to fight. Yeah, you know, just cut. And when you're once you're in there with somebody that's that's a savvy vet like Neil Magny, they trapped up against the cage and the second round's almost over and you're like fuck man where is the time gone like i don't know man i i could see a shot at neil magny by decision i think that would be a very good uh dartboard throw pick the problem is you know he, he's getting older he just he just was in a competitive fight with phil Rowe, uh, of all people so that that really kind of worries me again seven week notice or seven week layoff or whatever you want to call it uh so i think all that considered, and I think he, can carry, uh, he trains with some fucking savages. A lot of people talk about how good he is. Um, and that could just be, you know, tr- coach talk and whatnot. But I think he might be legit, man. I don't know if he's the future, but um, I, I kind of uh, – I can be convinced. I can be convinced. And if he gets a big win here, I, I think he might need – I don't think he needs a finish. He, he gets a win though. regardless. Yeah, he, he gets a win regardless. He's fine. But, man, he gets a finish over Neil Magny. Like you said, when's the last time he was TKO'd? Um, fuck. I was yeah. just looking at it. Now I'm not looking at it. No, literally. I was, I was trying to scroll through it, and, like, I I couldn't find it right off the rip. It, it, maybe I'm missing so one. So definitely not in the UFC. Uh, well, um, Craig White kneed him and uh, punched him <laughs> in okay. uh, 2018. So... Uh, if you remember the illustrious career of Craig White, uh, the Thundercat. Didn't he do that too, Craig White? Oh, he did. My bad. There you go. See, I got excited. There was a TKO on the board, and I was like, wait, there you go. No, you're right. He did He did the Back uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, he got elbowed by Mike Ritchie. Ooh, that was uh, 2012. L- Lorenz Larkin elbowed him on the uh, McGregor Diaz okay. card. There you go. That's right. There it was. I knew it. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, he, okay, he's susceptible to elbows. Okay, oh, and he got Ponzinibbio in 2018. There you go. <laughs> Wow, we skipped over both of them. I can't read. He has so many fights. In well, the there's UFC. so many. That's, nine dude, yeah, I'm fucking scrolling through all these <laughs> greens and, and reds. And I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> I know. Trying to find this. I know. I didn't realize how long he's been around. But <clears throat> yeah, I think Ian Gary is, is is a safe play. But that line is just crazy. So parlay also, piece. How safe of it? Yeah, yeah, I think he could be a parlay piece for sure. I know it's again a big number, but you know, you toss that in at the very end. It's. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it even is to the point, like you said, like, I mean, how much is it going to add? It, it might not, the risk might not be worth the reward. So, yeah. It might be a stay away, but I am taking, excuse me, Ian Gary decision plus 235. That is my official play on the card. I just think there's going to be a couple situations where he hurts him and then he can't finish him and Neil Magny gets back up, puts him up against the fence. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, decision wins against Gabe Green and stuff like that really have me, like, you know, this could be a tougher fight than we expect it to be. But, yeah. How about Mario Bautista, supposed to fight Cody Garbrandt? He gets a late replacement here, Damon Blackshear, stepping in there after his twister victory last week over Jose Johnson, I think was the gentleman's name that he twistered. So, Lobo Solitario. Yes, how could, how could we forget already? But 
Uh, it's pretty crazy for him to be making that quick bounce back like that. Blackshear plus 180, 185 to Mario Bautista's minus 225. Unfortunately, I think for Mr. Blackshear, he bit off a little bit more than he can chew uh, with this one. I, I, I mean, it definitely could win, obviously. That always goes without saying. But uh, Mario Bautista is no Jose Johnson, and he throws some absolute heat behind a lot of these shots that he throws. And he's a, a guy who can finish the fight with his hands or you know, w- with a submission. So... His UFC career, he's got four four of his six wins are, are by finish. He, I, you could argue he hasn't fought anyone on the level of uh, Blackshear. I think. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah, I think you look at some of these names and you're like, wow. Like, I think Cody Garbrandt would have been a live dog in the in this uh, situation. But uh, I guess I guess this kind of I my instinct would be to take a Mario Bautista maybe you know inside the distance or something. But I think I'm honestly going to stay away from uh, this one. I don't trust it. But uh, I am rooting for Blackshear just to pull off kind of the upset. Yeah, uh, it's just a quick turnaround. He's a big boy for 135, so I don't know, man. I don't know how you make the weight twice. Like, I'm sure he blew up on Sunday, and then he accepted the fight on Monday. So having him four days to make weight again, that's got to be hard. That's got to be hard. So I think that alone is going to just drain him. And, and he has a pretty uh, aggressive strong style, whether it be on the feet or on the ground. So I think his cardio is going to be an issue. And I, how can anybody blame him, honestly? And Mario Bautista, like you said, he's just good everywhere. I I think this could be a letdown spot for him just because it's not Cody Garbrandt. It's Damon Blackshear. Huge difference in name and hype. Yeah. Um, he has been KO'd before by Trevin Jones. So uh, not to say it'll happen again. Also, San Hagen armbarred him pretty quickly. But, you know. I think that's that's MMA. So uh, he has good pace, goes in the body really well. Uh, I think he's you know awesome on the. I, I can't tell if he's better on the ground or on the feet. Uh, the triangle armbar of Benito Lopez was nasty. He obviously got Guido Canetti out quick. Uh, same with Kelleher. So yeah, man. I don't know. I think Bautista's safe here, but uh, it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be tough for both guys. I just worry about Blackshear in the third, second, third rounds. So I'm gonna go Bautista. It's decision maybe late finish, uh, but no bet. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think he could. I really just don't see how I can confidently bet something here and feel good about it. So I'm going to stay away and keep it moving. How about we got Cheeto Vera? It's cra- pretty crazy. He was supposed to fight what Cejudo on this card, and it probably would have been you know a little bit higher up on the card, but he gets dropped yeah. down with Pedro Munoz stepping in. Uh, but Pedro Munoz had a, I would say, a good amount of time to kind of step in and you know these are two guys who fought the you know O'Malley who's in the uh, main event Pedro Munoz wanted to beat his ass apparently in the uh, hotel lobby the young punisher which I did not know that that was his nickname but you know what, what are you <laughs> gonna do coming off of a big win against Chris Gutierrez where he kind of gave him like a vet lesson if I remember correctly it was kind of I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I had Gutierrez that night and he was just like you know listen man I'm uh, I'm not that cooked yet and came out and kind of dominated him so I guess I'll ask you, Ty. Do you, I mean, I like, I obviously like Cheeto Vera's game, but he's kind of shown me he's not really trustworthy to bet because he likes to give away the first round in almost every one of his fights, and sometimes he takes too long to get going, and then sometimes he comes out like hell on wheels and murders people. So I don't know what version of him is going to show up on Saturday night. Yeah. Also, I think something with Cheeto, he struggles with uh, length and he struggles with wrestlers. And this fight, he's he's got a five inch reach advantage, uh, two two inch height height advantage, and I think he's probably the better. He's probably better on the ground, better takedown defense. Um, 
more subs. Uh, you know, he, he does get hit a lot, but Pedro Muniz gets hit a lot. So I think this is a tailor made matchup for Cheeto Vera. I think he might, it might it's, I think it's going to be close. Like, I think it's probably going to be a 29 28 regardless, but this is a good bounce back spot for him after that Sam Haken fight, I think. Um, and even after the Dom Cruz fight. Um, six, seven knockdowns in his last four fights. Uh, crazy, crazy. I think. He could hurt Pedro Munoz. Neither guy's ever been finished, right? Or neither guy's been knocked out? I can't remember. Uh, neither guy has been finished, I believe. So, Pedro Munoz, great guillotine. But the problem with him is he's the anti-Cheeto. Cheeto struggles in the first round. Um, Pedro struggles after the first round, keeping up that pace. Throwing, you know, if it was up to him, he would have a, a fight to the death with just low kicks. So, but so Cheeto's the same way, man. Yeah. Cheeto's very, very uh, diverse striking. You know, he'll, he'll kick you high, he'll kick you low, he'll kick you up the middle. He likes those teeth, he likes flying knees, he likes throwing elbows, he likes to just damage you. Yeah. Um, and he has a pretty good chin, a very good chin. Uh, I mean, he ate like 270 strikes from fucking Rob Font, and, you know, he, he didn't go down once. So, um, yeah, I think this is a good, a very good spot for. Cheeto Vera, 200. I, I don't know what I would play. Like, I don't want to say he's going to get a finish because Pedro is so hard to finish. And then, you know, betting on Cheeto to win by decision is tough because he fights on very thin margins sometimes, usually in that first round. So, uh, honestly, just because of that, I'm staying away. I, I feel confident in Cheeto winning. I feel like I could play a, a money line if I had that bankroll, but minus 200 is a little wide. I'm not trying to, you know, bet 100 to win 50. So, uh, I'm going to stay away from this one. I expect a close decision, 29-28. Maybe if you want to bet a split, a split decision on either 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 fighter, that could work, but um, uh, I'm good. I'm going to take Cheeto Vera to win by decision. Uh, I'm going to tell you that right now that by the time Saturday night rolls around and if I've had a couple of uh, adult beverages, I may be convinced to take that inside the distance at plus 350, which is fat, but... I mean, yeah. really, you look at it, though. Neither one of these guys have been finished, and they have a combined 50-plus fights in, in the uh, you know mixed martial arts. So, uh, I, you know, and this is only a 15-minute fight. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're keep counting on maybe Pedro Munoz, uh, Munoz, uh, Munoz being cooked, <laughs> and I just don't see it happening necessarily yet. They're kind of, you know, he's much smaller than Ver- Cheeto Varin, but... Like we kind of talked about, Cheeto Vera just, you know, thin margins. Kind of lets people hang around and fight sometimes. Especially a guy like Munoz is going to be throwing some serious heat back his way. So I think he's going to have a healthy respect for him. And I think he may pick him apart from the outside. But he may not get him out of there. And that's what I'm hoping for. So I'm going to go decision plus 110. And that's the main card. We keep it moving though, ladies and gentlemen. How about this? Chris Weidman. Getting back in there after his leg exploded. On the Masvidal. And I don't say that as a joke. I am being dead ass. His leg fucking just nuclear bomb. Uh, his, his leg Oppenheimer, you could say. <laughs> uh, on the Usman Masvidal card in 2021. Josh Peck pressed a button. and uh, Yeah, well, ju- his leg I, exploded. I, I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but that is going to ruin it for me when Josh Peck is, is hanging over the button. I saw the previews. I'm like, why is Josh Peck near <laughs> you, the button? You got to see it, dude. It's so good. I have to. But, uh, yeah, he's well, this is now two plus years since he, you know, since that fateful day. And that was horrible. You, I mean, Uriah Hall felt horrible for him. You, I mean, you felt horrible for him. I felt horrible. For, I mean, how could you not? That guy, uh, you know, he did that to somebody before, and then it happens to him. Yeah. It's just really bizarre. 
he's fighting Brad Tavares. It's kind of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say a perfect matchup to come back to, but, I mean, it's about as good as you can get, I'd say, when you're at the level that Chris Weidman is at. I think Chris Weidman is a considerable underdog, if I'm not mistaken, plus 210, 220, (laughs) to Brad Tavares is minus 250, 270. Uh, I don't really know if I can bet this, to be honest, though. I'll be rooting for uh, Chris Weidman, but I don't know enough and trust either one of these guys enough to do that. Yeah, I want to take. Uh, I want to. I want to. Mm, I want to do it. I want to take Tavares to win like by knockout or something or sub him, but uh, he doesn't do that ever. I mean, the yeah. last time he won inside the distance was Christoph Jocko, and it was like five years ago. So, and, and before that was even longer, like Phil Baroni in 2011. So, yeah, um, what happened to him? Yeah. <laughs> I do, um, I do think his last two fights, Tavares's, were uh, were tough matchups. Bruno Silva was a tough matchup. I was on him, and he was doing well until he got knocked out or yeah. hit with the knee. And uh, he went the distance with Drickus Duplessis. So, and I think he had a brief moment of success against him. I could be wrong. Uh, he's old himself, Brad Tavares. Yep. He's washed up a little bit himself. So I think, like you said, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good matchmaking. But one thing that he's uh, had over the course of his career was strong takedown defense. Um, I don't know if it's like a Hawaiian thing, but I, don't, I remember Matt Hughes tried taking BJ Penn down. And he had his one leg lifted completely in the air, and he couldn't get him down. Uh, we've seen that happen with Brad Tavares, too. Very good balance, um, very good composure. He used to have great cardio, but I think that and his durability is starting to fade, obviously. Um, but his takedown d- defense has always been good. It's at 80%. Um, we saw Chris Weidman, his last win, which was three, a little bit more than three years ago, he got taken down four times by Omari Makhmedov. He struggled taking him down, but when he did take him down, he did control him. Um, but he's just uh, he's just done, is how I would say it. I mean, the Jock Ray Sosa fight, he, in the third round, when he was winning this fight, he just gets fucking put out, put <laughs> out bad. The Dominic Reyes fight, quick, easy work. Obviously, the Uriah Hall fight, you know, can't really say much about that. But um, I think USADA and Luke Rockhold ruined him. Is yeah. what I think happened. I think uh, Luke Rockhold beat the fucking brakes off of him in that fight. I think Yoel Romero hit him with a flying knee, and I think that was pretty. I, I, honestly, it was just done after that. And then Gegard hit him with a knee. I think uh, I don't know if Jock Ray hit him with a knee. I think he just hit him with a, uh, a right or a left. But either way, man. I mean, compare his body pre Usada to post Usada. It's a big, big difference, man. Um, I just I think he's done. I think he's done. I don't think this is the same guy that I'm, I remember he fought Mark Munoz, and he beat the fucking shit out of Mark Munoz. I mean, in two rounds, Mark Munoz didn't land a uh, – he landed one total strike in seven minutes. It's, it's, it's a far cry from that, that guy. I, I think he's completely done. It's great to see him back and whatnot, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't see him – I think he's done. I think – I don't know how. I think Brad Tavares could knock him out. I think he could outpoint him. I think he could take him down. Maybe take him down. Maybe not. Um, either way, I, I just I think he's done. So I'm definitely going to parlay Brad Tavares. Uh, I don't know if I want to bet him inside the distance. I don't think that's really something I could I could do right because he doesn't do it. But could I, I have to look at the number? Could I interest you in a TKO plus one forty five? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to take um, it. So, so take that for what it's yeah, worth. You've convinced I'm me. I'm going to take it. Because, yeah, I mean, he's about to be – he's he's 39 years old. He's coming off of a leg injury, and he's also, like you just said, been knocked out so many times. 
in his last couple fights out. I mean, obviously the time off is probably good for his chin and whatnot, but I don't yeah. know. Like, if Tavares is going to finish somebody, it's it's this fight. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the way MMA goes, it's just they they write they don't let you walk off into the sunset all that often, unless you're Robbie Lawler nope. or somebody like that. So maybe they'll have something Doesn't happen. for him after this. But uh, I don't know. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? Is yeah, what I, keep I, I just uh, you know, I really am rooting for him though. That's why it's tough to place these wagers, but it's I don't really I I don't see how he kind of what comes out and outstrikes him. You know, like, what is he going to do? Is he going to wrestle him? Is he just going to dominate him, you know, ground and pound and shit? Like, I, does he still have that maybe. in him? You know, it's, yeah, been, it's been a two years, so maybe he's not in, like, you know, and his leg was broken for half the time, so what kind of shape is he in? You know, I mean, I'm sure he's his in great shape, but... His movement's not going to look great. I mean, he hasn't been active, and Brad Tavares has been fighting guys, you know? Yeah. Um, also, sometimes we've seen with Chris Weidman, he does the Aljo thing where he just lunges to try to take you down, and sure, it works. He's the All-American, he's a great wrestler, but that's a dangerous strategy to just, like, you know, kind of do what Ben Askren did, lazy takedown attempts. So yeah. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna hurt him. I think he's gonna get hurt in this fight. And uh it's sad. It's in Boston. He's got all his guys uh with him. So yeah, I, I just got Brad Tavares to finish him, maybe a head kick. I know he he's a great he's a really maybe above average kickboxer. But um yeah, I think he's gonna get him out of there. How about Robocop? Getting back in there. When was the last time we saw Robocop? Didn't his eye almost fall out? Hobocop. Um, no, that was a different fight. That, that, was, that was Chitty. Uh, so, no, last time he came out and he fought Bruno Fajeda, the Hulk. And the Hulk and smashed his ass. And then the Hulk got smashed. And then smashed. the Hulk got <laughs> Yeah, so, but now he's fighting Dennis Tululin, who is a ultimate get-right fight if you are in the UFC. Uh, what are the odds on this one? Uh, I mean, I imagine Robocop is a minus 355, 375 favorite to Dennis Tallulah. Unless your name is Jamie Pickett. Yeah, plus 280. It's, yeah, exactly. Then it's not necessarily a get right. You know, Jamie Pickett's <laughs> the ultimate get right fight. So uh, not nothing to be ashamed of there. I guess. Unless Joseph Holmes, who is the ultimate, ultimate get right fight. But, you know. What do, we li- like, what do we like here? Is this a round one situation? I'll tell you what I like here. I'll tell you what I like. I'll tell you what I really, really like. Uh, I like Hobocop to win by <laughs> Hobo <submission>. <laughs> You know how they have the soft R that's an H? Hobocop. I'm not too sure when his last sub was. Oh, he armbarred a fella named Edalberto de Olivera in Jaguar combat. Oh, that's um, not good, dude. That guy's, that guy's topology picture is kind of funny also. Um, Jaguar combat. Where did this take place? Middle of nowhere, I bet. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> It's not something he you know, goes for or tries to you know, he just wants to stand and bang, but he has some uh, he has some shit issues, I would say, uh, as you're having some book issues. I, I know that wasn't <laughs> even the book. Something random just fell in my room. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Everything right. in your room is on an elevated. Yeah, surface this, this whole this whole fucking right. house getting done is really throwing me through a loop here, man. That's. Uh... <laughs> um, but I, I guess the Armin Petrosian fight was the closest, if I remember, when he tried to. I don't know if it was a rear naked choke or something that he tried uh, getting a sub in, but I think this fight is, you know, he's been knocked out. It's happened, and he's hes also gotten, his face has just gotten cut the fuck up. I think he said something in an interview uh, uh, recently about wanting to grapple heavy or grapple more. I could be wrong, but I thought that's what I heard through the grapevine. Um, he, he, has, uh, he has lost to weaker competition like we talked about, Bruno Ferreira. I do like Armin Petrosian, but I think he's better than Armin. Um, and then obviously the Jordan Williams fight on the contender series, 
But I guess, you know, Jordan Williams um, is, a, is a much better fighter at 180 than he is at 185 than he is at 170. So, um, just a weird, a weird fight in general. So, um, I don't know, man. I think Dennis Tallulah is somebody that can. He is long and rangy, but he also has that tall man defense. Um, we saw it against Jun Young Park. He was getting clipped re- repeatedly. Even Kizria was was clipping him yep. before he got choked. He got choked by both of them in both his UFC losses. He's been rear naked choked. Gregory Rodriguez. I, I don't see how he doesn't. It, it should be clinical and easy the way he takes him. Maybe not taking him down and wrestle fucking him and then getting his back, but just finding an opportunity to get it there and to choke him out. Uh, I mean, this guy's been submitted four times. Is Ikram Alskarov camored him back in the day? Um, yeah. He's been rear naked choked three times total. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I think this is a, a perfect spot for Gregory Rodriguez to get a sub. I, I mean, he could strike with him. I just think it's, you know, you never know. He, he leaves his chin out there. He's, his chin isn't great. Um, he just, he's kind of a savage Rodriguez is, and he bleeds a lot. So, um, I think he could knock him out. I think it's probably something he could do. He has a lot of power. He has the one hitter quitter, that nasty left hook, but, uh, he should just, honestly, he's going to look like he's minus 5,000 if he, if he tries to grapple and, uh, I'm going to take him the way by sub. I could also see a round one kind of just elimination uh, of Tulum, yeah. which is plus 160. So if you wanted to double down and play that on top of, the submission, which is uh, I'm seeing plus two twenty five on DraftKings right now. Uh, I'll take that, it. That's what I'm taking as well. Uh, you you convinced me because, like you said, you go through. He's got four submission losses, three of them being rear naked chokes. Uh, Gregory has seven TKOs, but he also has four submissions himself uh, in his day, and he's knocked a lot of people out since joining the UFC. But that has kind of been, I think, kind of fraudulent just due to the fact that some of the people he's beaten. Uh, let that be Chitty and Jukani, who he literally was on the brink of death against, and the the Cuban Missile Crisis, who is absolutely cooked. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't really feel great lost. about that bet, but I think it, I think it's a good one. So I, we're gonna roll with yep. it. How about Kurt Hallibal? Uh, we're getting into the Ultimate Fighter uh, guys now. It's all vets, no no prospects. Connor uh, had a rough yeah, season. They, they couldn't make it. Uh, I yeah, and I don't blame Very some of these some of these guys. Yeah, I I didn't really get. The whole layout. I think they should have mixed them up, but uh, some of these know. guys were losing on the, regional scene, on the regional scene to mechanics, and then you're like, "All right, go fight Austin Hubbard." You're like, "Oh my god!" Okay. Yeah, like <laughs> talk <laughs> about a big step up in competition. But uh, I mean, Kurt Holabal is going looking for his third UFC stint. He's fighting Austin Hubbard, who uh, I believe well, this would be his second. Right, he just his last fight was against Vince Pichel. Uh, he took a unanimous decision loss. Uh, he lost to Joe Selecki. Did beat Dakota Bush and Max Roshkop. He was the person who made Max Roshkop quit. So that's uh, always going to be a feather in his cap uh, for <laughs> down the road. Hey, man, listen. Max <laughs> Roshkop is back. All right, he's on his way back. He did just lose in Bellator, his Bellator debut. However, uh, I believe he got smoked, too, by Chris Gonzalez. Um yeah, he got a lot of shit for for for, for telling his corner I didn't want, I don't want to fight anymore. But um, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I, nothing wrong with that at all. I, you know, but you rather go out there and get fucking eviscerated. Um, yeah, he was getting caught. Yeah, I mean, we, so, like well, I, I mean, I, no, go ahead, I don't know who Austin Hubbard has really been. I mean, Julian, Julian, uh, the pain train or the night train, Julian Lane, that guy who's in BKFC getting beat the fuck up by everybody. So you know, Hubbard doesn't really have any good wins per se, but um, 
I don't know. I just think he's like a grapple, lay and pray decision win is going to be his outcome here. I think I do like Kurt Hallball. Um, I think he has a pretty good striking. Um, he, he had a tough go at it in UFC. He fought fucking Ioni Barcelos, and then he fought Shane Burgos, and then he fought Tiago Moises. Like, Jesus yeah, Christ, no man. no easy layups there. And the first time he fought in the UFC, he fought Steven Seiler, and he got cut after that loss. I don't, I don't really know why. But he also lost in strike force to Pat Healy. Not an easy fight. So, like, uh, he also has a win over Des Green. Uh, free Des Green. Um, no. No, keep him in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he also dropped, I believe he dropped Shane Burgos before he got armbarred. So he has good striking, very patient, very, uh, like he's aggressive, but he's not overly aggressive. The problem is I think, I think this is just a good matchup for Hubbard. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to play the over two and a half at minus 150. I I think it's going to go, it's going to go the distance. I think either one could, could muscle out a close win. Uh, I don't know. I just think, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it, I don't feel hard. good about both this. Guys are, yeah, both guys are trying to get back. Um, it's, it should be entertaining. Uh, Hollow Ball is like 36. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think Hubbard is – I think he's like 30. Yeah, he's only 31. So that's pretty young, honestly. I thought he was much older. But I think this is a pretty good matchup for Hubbard. Uh, I'm rooting for Kurt Hollow Ball. I was, I was considering a play on him for a while, but I just think the style is going to be tough for him to, to, to beat, honestly, and to, to win two rounds. Um, I think you might have to finish him. I think that's that might be the the path he has to go. But uh, yeah, it should be a, it should be a banger. It should be a good fight. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing both of them in the UFC. But I think Hubbard's the guy they want. Younger, probably better, and um, I think he's going to get it done and get his uh, UFC spot back. And that's why I think Kerr Hallibaugh wins because that's what they want Austin Hubbard to win. He is the more younger, you know, not necessarily more exciting, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be honest. I just like plus 150, and I, I don't, I have never ever trusted Austin Hubbard in any sort of gambling situation. So I am going to fade the shit out of him, and I actually am going to take Austin Hubbard to lose inside the distance. So I'm going to take her Hollabell inside the distance plus 275. No, I'm sorry, 300. Wow. I'm getting hollow ball inside the distance plus 300. So, wow, wow, we wow. I just uh, I don't really feel great about that to be honest, but um, I don't know. I, I I I really should just stay away. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet anything if it weren't for this. I just looked at all of his fights, and I think he only has what three decisions in his whole entire career. You know, uh, wins wise, he's got nine submissions and seven TKOs. I could see him maybe throwing a sub up from his back and uh, getting something because Austin's going to keep going for the wrestling the whole time, and he's going to just push the grappling, try to push the pace on him. That's how he fights everybody. Uh, and I think it's going to backfire. So we go to the other one, Cody Gibson, who just got an arm triangle this this week uh, on the show. He's fighting Brad Katona, who uh, is, really, is really a fucking annoying person if you watch the show. So he, annoying. I mean, uh, he really just... Was absolute nerd. I couldn't stand him the whole time. Uh, I didn't like him when he was fighting in the UFC. Um, but now he, I guess he's back. He's fighting Cody Gibson. I like Cody Gibson here. I think we kind of talked about it here. Uh, talked about it on the show. Uh, maybe the, la- the last uh, episode. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Cody Gibson seems like a guy who should just be in the UFC anyway. 
I don't really think uh, when you go back and look at some of his uh, losses, it seemed like he kind of got a raw deal while he was in the uh, UFC. But absolutely, uh, you know, he, he's got a loss to Ray Borg outside uh, on of the UFC. Uh, he, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he beat John Dodson, beat yeah. Francisco Rivera. I mean, those guys are probably cooked, but. I mean, who would you rather see somebody be a cooked former UFC product or a five and two mailman? You know, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of with you. The only thing that kind of scares me not to kind of interrupt you, but Cody Gibson did have a knee injury. Yes. I believe it was a meniscus on the ultimate fighter. I don't really know if that thing's healed. <clears throat> um, you know, I don't, I don't know. How long ago did they even film? I think was they like filmed early? that like early in the summer or not even early in the summer. I think it was like May. I feel like when they when they were putting all the shit up with him fucking wearing the suits and, yeah. and the apex and all that. So he won quick, and um, you know, who was it? Rico DeShulo? Yeah, uh, that poor guy, man. I mean, he he slipped, and that was the end of the fight. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, um, he did fight Aljo way back in the day and took a round from him. Unanimously took a round on the Rousey Sarah McMahon undercard. That's you know almost ten years ago, eh, nine years ago. So obviously, that probably doesn't mean shit now. I just think um is more well rounded than him. Yeah. And um I think he's probably gonna be able to take him down, kinda beat him the way Ray Borg beat him in the UFC. Um I don't think let's see what the over under is. I kinda wanna take the over in this one too, but there's I don't see a line yet for that. So uh I'm gonna stay away from this one for the knee injury and I really don't like Brad Katona. That makes me want to kinda take Cody Gibson, but uh you know, I think Katona's probably the smarter and better fighter and also they have kind of like a little uh little rivalry there they kind of don't like each other so i think maybe that favors katona maybe it means nothing but i got katona but no bet yeah i'm kind of with you i just the thing that stops me from betting anything on this is just like i like gibson just based off the fact that he has like a half of a foot of reach advantage like he's so much bigger than brad katona and i feel like he could maybe hurt him or not hurt him but just keep him away from the outside but you know brad katona has shown that as much as a nerd as he is he's he fights smart He's willing to go, you know, get into a war because he got into a war on the show. I forget who he fought. Uh, Timur Valiev. That's it. That's exactly who it was, and that was what, probably the best fight of the whole of the whole season. And he yeah, was ready to go. Jason Knight, Kurt Holloball, destruction. So I'm just, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to having an exciting fight. I, I worry that Cody Gibson could get taken down and kind of just laid on. I don't really know much about him. To maybe think that that doesn't happen, you know, I I don't, but I really I would like to take the uh, underdog here, Cody Gibson, just the fact that he's so much bigger than him. But how about Andre Petrosky getting in there against GM three? This is a huge experience mismatch. As GM three has fought fifty times in MMA, and Andre Petrosky is going to be fighting for his eleventh time this this upcoming weekend. We have a minus two twenty five favorite in Andre Petrosky to. GM threes plus one ninety five one eighty five. Uh, Ty, I, I gotta say, I don't really know. I mean, my instinct tells me Petrosky because just just because you know he's the local guy and I've been riding with him for a lot of these. Other than, and he made me made me feel stupid when he Darsh choked Maximov. But I mean, GM three. This seems like a typical GM three spot, does it not? Yeah, yeah, it does because Petrosky had so many takedowns and he. Um like that can play, can kind of play right into a front choke and into a guillotine from GM three. I mean, his last sub was a guillotine. How many guillotines does he have in the UFC? Two, three, 
three, and he has a couple of anacondas. So he likes those chokes. I mean, he likes all of the, all the different kind of chokes. Um, and he's also bigger. Like I think Petrovsky is yeah pretty physical, but I think GM three is definitely more physically imposing. GM three is just like you know uh, he gets hit a lot. He doesn't really have durability. He doesn't you know his takedown accuracy isn't great. His takedown defense isn't great. Like he doesn't really impress you by the numbers at all, but. They all go out the window when you find him. He, he he makes it tough for everybody. I mean, the, the way he beat Bruno Silva, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Like, I think he did. So he ended up guillotining him. I thought he finished him with strikes, but he was just beating beating him the fuck up, knocked him down, and then guillotined him. Um, but also, you know, there's there's the the fight with Dustin Stoltzfus where he was losing, I think, and he got taken down a bunch of times. But then he guillotined a rear naked choked him. Uh, he upset Mahmoud Murdoff, took him down a bunch of times, took his back, choked him out quickly. So I don't know, man. You know, but then again, there's the Ian fight where he gets just one one hitter quittered within a minute, and you're like, okay, that doesn't that doesn't happen much with Ian Heinish. So uh, and then Joe Pfeiffer just smoked him in a fight where I thought he was going to lose. Uh, I really want to take Petrovsky just because like he gets like six takedowns a minute. He's going to be able to take him down whenever he wants. I think he can stay out of trouble on the ground for a little bit. But, you know, how, how often, how long? You know, I don't, I don't know if GM3 necessarily throws that many submissions up off his back, like triangles and arm bars. Uh, at least not as much as he, you know, tries to get your back or try to get your neck. So it could be guillotine or bust here with GM3. And obviously he's very, you know, very live to do that. Uh, I just think Petrovsky has him covered everywhere. I think Petrovsky could knock him out in the first round. He hits very hard. Uh, he's not the most, he doesn't have, you know, low volume, so he doesn't necessarily uh, throw too much volume out there, but he hits hard, and GM3 doesn't strike well, doesn't have a good strike, and doesn't have a good chin. Don't think he has good cardio either, and he's getting old. So, uh, let me look, let me look at the Bovada. I don't really, like, I, I looked at a lot of these, like Petrosky TKO, Petrosky inside the distance is minus 110, so that's... Right away, just takes away from that from me, and then Mearshart submission is plus three seventy three ninety. But I'm not going to sit and count. I'm on gonna, that. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take Petrovsky by KO, TKO, or disqualification plus four hundred. Throw it up. I think that's a pretty wide number. I get it, but half of his, uh, half of his finished wins in his career are by TKO. It's not all submission, you know, even on the regional scene. So, um, I think he's a strong, good kicks. Uh, I think he hits very hard. I know he's smaller, but he 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 looks the part. He's 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 chiseled, that's for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I think he gets it done and brings the GM three belt back to Springfield Township. Shout out to Kutztown, baby. I'm gonna bet it with you. I'm not gonna let you go in there by yourself. So there you go. Uh, you kind of convinced me. That's a big number. I didn't realize how big that number was. Yeah, right. I so. mean, that's it should be closer to two hundred in, in that area. So if you're going to give me plus four thirty is what me and you are getting here, then sign me up, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Andrea Lee, everyone knows her. KGB. That's right. Getting back in there against Natalia Silva, and Natalia Silva. The last time she was in there was earlier this year. She head kicked Victoria Leonardo, who is wearing the uh, the Goku costume in her tapology picture. <laughs> How could yeah. you forget? So, Andrea Lee is a plus almost 300 underdog. Uh, and on some websites, she is to Natalia Silva's minus 345, 350. 
do you like that line? I mean, it seems like a wide line for a ladies' fight early on in the night, but uh, yeah, seems, you know, I guess I'll ask you. Yeah, do do you it's, think is there anything here to bet? I, I guess I should ask. It definitely is a little wide. I feel like maybe, maybe if you if you feel uh, if you're feeling frisky, you could take Andrea Lee by sub or I mean not sub by uh, by decision, but I don't know. I don't know Andrea Lee like. Yeah, she's getting older. She she doesn't have the best striking defense. Um, she's just a weird fighter. I don't I don't I don't know. Like the the Macy Barber fight was very close. Uh, I think the Vivi fight was kind of close, even though she, she definitely lost. But she put up a decent little fight. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Antonina fight that was easy work. But you know, I don't know, man. Getting worked absolutely worked by Roxy and Lauren Murphy and Joanne Wood back to back to back like. You know, I, I, I want to say it was a long time ago, but she's 34. Um, she kind of just is who she is as a fighter. She is. She does. She will have a, a size advantage here. I think she's got a couple inches of reach and five yeah. inches of uh, five inches of reach, two inches of height on Natalia Silva. Natalia Silva is a little small for this weight class. And I think, you know, if you can kind of follow a little bit of the early game plan of Teresa Blada is to kind of, you know, get on top of her and uh, neutralize her her danger. Uh, Jasmine Jasudovich has tried to do it, tried to do it, but she couldn't. And she, uh, you know, she beat the shit out of Jasmine. She beat, uh, she beat her pretty well. And I thought that was a great, great debut, a great look for the debut. And the blade of fight wasn't going her way for small parts, but then she fucking smoked her with that spinning back kick right on the chin. Just knew she was going to come in for that takedown. She has good kicks. She has good, good hands. She's quick, powerful, um, good sweeps, good takedown defense. I think she, can work off of her back. Um, but again, the size is a bit of an issue. Andrea Lee can take you down, but honestly, honestly, Andrea Lee can be taken down. We saw it with Macy, Barbara and Vivi, um, Roxy, obviously, but Lauren Murphy too. Uh, Montana De La Rosa, um, Veronica Hardy, I think took her down. So, uh, I just don't see a high ceiling for Andrea Lee at all. I see a very high ceiling for Natalia Silva, especially if she was able to move down to one I'm not sure if she can, but, um, yeah, I think this is a, a good spot for, for my girl, our girl, Natalia Silva. We're big fans of her, of course. Um, I think I think Natalia Silva winning by decision could be a decent play at plus 120. But um, I kind of can see her finishing her. I think Andrea Lee can be a punching bag, especially later on in the fight if she's tired. Uh, and Natalia Silva has good striking. So I'm going to stay away just because the line's big. Yeah. But uh, if you want to do an, a Silva parlay... I wouldn't. I uh, wouldn't be mad at you there. Yeah, I want to play the decision, or but I don't trust it, and I I could see myself wanting the inside the distance later on. So I'm going to stay away. I have enough plays in the card. I don't need to go hunting uh, for the early on uh, ladies' fights. How about Marina Morose and uh, Karine, Karini Silva? We got a minus one fifty five for Miss Silva, and Morose is a plus one thirty. Uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, we did, yeah, that's right. She knee barred Ketlin Souza. And, that was uh, nasty. Yeah. That, that was so she, nasty. It was like a knee bar slash whatever the fuck else it was from the bat. Like that was crazy. That's right. She's, she's the girl that all 16 of her wins have come by finish. Eight submissions, eight TKOs. She's fighting yep. Marina Morose, the iron lady who, you know, has been, never been submitted or finished. So. She's got four. And she also armbarred Karini Silva back in the day. Did she really? I didn't know that. Yeah, nine years ago. 
Wow. So we, we are getting our get back here. Uh, that was, you know, at, at XFC International 7. Which Same was, card as Carlson Harris and Alan Nascimento getting wins also. So Michelle Perhera also getting a guillotine on that card. Wow. I was there. Yeah, we I were lost there. I my ticket, though. That's I right. I yeah, no, I don't have proof are. that I was there. Honestly, we didn't even have tickets because we snuck in. We did sneak in and uh, <laughs> the, uh, at the uh, Stadio de Morimbo. I'm uh, Morimbi. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's R. right. R.I.P. Um, so, <laughs> I guess I could see Karina Silva getting the win here, kind of. Uh, she's the one who has made all the adjustments in her game. They're similar in size. Morose has a two-inch reach advantage. They're, you know... She's two. She's two years older. Um, you know, she's from the Ukraine, so she's got that. You know, she's, she's fight, fighting for Fierce. a little bit more than herself uh, yeah. right now. I think she even said something like that the last time she was out there. Or maybe not the uh, <laughs> Jennifer Maya fight, but or, I think she actually was saying that before that. But and it didn't go her way. So I guess I I have to take something. I can't just sit here and uh, take a couple of these out. I'm going to take Silva inside the distance plus one seventy five. Oof. I'm conflicted here. I'm conflicted. I think Marina Moreau's I kind of uh, wrote her off, I want to say, after the uh, Angela Hill, Carlos Barza fights where she lost pretty easily. Even the Danielle Ta- Taylor fight, that was not a good fight, not a good win. And she lost to Val Latorno. She got knocked down by Val Latorno. I think I've heard that. I don't know if it was Rose. Some, uh, I think it was Joanna said Valerie Latorno hits harder than anybody she's ever fought. So actually, I don't think that's that's that bad looking back on it. Um and I thought also, like, once Marina Moreau started her OnlyFans, I was like, fuck, man. That could be a, that could be a death, death knell in her MMA career. But she's honestly looked a lot better. She beat, she beat the shit out of Maria Agapova. Took, you know, did what she could do to her arm trying over sli- I think she put her to sleep. Um, and she, I mean, the, the Myra Buena cell fight opened, uh, opened my eyes a lot because she was able to, to strike with her at distance. Very well. She was able to avoid getting hit with anything clean and hard. Uh, she took her down a couple times, controlled her for large periods of that of that fight, and was able to win a, a unanimous decision. I think um, it might have been the, the the third round. No, I think I don't know what round it was that she lost. Maybe the third. But um, yeah, she's made improvements, and she's never been finished, which is crazy because I feel like she's been finished five times. I, I don't know why. Um, the Sabino Mazo fight. I think was part of that. Um, also, wait, did, was, did she, is she moving down or is she moving up? She's moving up, right? Who? Or she, um, Marina Morose. She's moving down? I can't, her last fight was at 25. Uh, this okay. is at 25. Okay. So she used yeah. to fight on 15. I think that is part of the reason why she's looked a lot better. She's fighting at her natural weight class, you know, getting, killing herself to fight Carlos Barza and then getting taken down six times, you know, that's, that's going to happen. So, uh, and with Karini Silva, I mean, she's just an opportunist, opportunistic finisher with all kinds of crazy subs. I mean, her last, her last one was special. That was really special because Ketlin Souza was getting some hype before that fight. And even the Dar Sampoliano Patello, that was real nasty at the very end of the first round. But that contender series fight got a little interesting, man, in that second yeah. round before she got the guillotine against Queen Kong. Um, it started to look a little weird. So I think if you push Karini Silla past the first round, you can uh, you can do some good things. She lost to a chick who was two and zero when she was nine and three by unanimous decision. Um, 
She also obviously got armbarred by Marina Murrows a while ago. But I think she's a different. I think they're both different fighters. But I think Karini Silva is now earning her killer nickname. And um, yeah, I think she's going to do. I think she's going to do what you said. I don't think we've seen her really work with her hands that much in the UFC. Um, but I think she has a striking advantage over Marina Rose. It's going to be a good fight, I think, honestly. But I'm going to follow you in with the inside the distance uh, bet on Karini Silva. And uh, I think we're going to get our get back here. Let's get our get back, ladies and gentlemen. That is UFC 292. That will happen on Saturday night. Obviously, you just heard an hour of how excited we are for all these fights. There's a lot of bangers. There's a lot of, you know, questionable, uh, you know, we, we lost some fights. But honestly... Anytime there's a, a pay-per-view event, they kind of always have some sort of intrigue going into it. Especially the main card has, you know, f- at least four solid fights on there. And I think there's a solid fights throughout here. And some definitely plenty of bets as we both, you know, Ty probably set a record here for, you know, he's got seven on the card th- this week. So that's, that's, a, that's a big card for Ty. And uh, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Hey, no. uh, pretty good, I think. Um, you know. Probably going to lose all seven, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling all right, and uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for, honestly, the main event. I'm just pumped. I'm pumped to see Whaley. Whaley's always in a good fight. It's always good seeing her fight. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we'll, we get to see Weidman uh, headline the prelims, so um, that could be sad or good. Yep. We'll see ultimate how that goes. Fighter think, ending, uh, you know. Ultimate Fighter's done. Wrapping that up. Hopefully getting some Chandler McGregor announcements soon. Apparently I'm hearing rumbles of December. I don't know. We're uh, we're in August. <laughs> we're almost in September. So, um, Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty solid, top-to-bottom solid card. Obviously, uh, it's not that top-heavy, but I'm fine with that. I'm also hearing John Jones won't fight on the same card as Colby Covington. So that's uh, a little bit of drama going on right now. But we will get into all that next week. We've held you long enough, people. Thank you for listening, as always. This is the Shoulder Strikes MMA Podcast. My name is Matt McSweeney. I am Ty Capone. As always, go Birds.